Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Verley, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And we have another interview for you coming up with a very special guest after a quick few updates. 2022 was a record year and we want to thank everyone who made it so special. We currently are recruiting for our, believe it or not, it's kind of crazy. We're in January. We're recruiting for fall (laughs) marathons. I'm laughing because it's insane. Like it is absolutely insane. Uh, We have other races uh, across, we have races, I should say, across the country, across the world, believe it or not, because we're going back to Berlin. Our London team in April is full already, which is just amazing. Uh, But we are going to be launching our New York City full. Our Chicago team has launched. Our Twin Cities team has launched. Um, We've got a bunch of other races throughout the year as well. Another thing locally here in Connecticut, we have our golf outing June 5th. We'd love to have you come golf with us. We also have plenty of sponsorship opportunities. And we just launched our Purple Patties virtual event for March. Uh, Please follow us wherever you follow social media or wherever you're on social media, I should say. And to learn more about all our races, all our events, all our virtual stuff, please visit us at projectpurple.org. Without further ado, let's meet today's guest joining us. I say all the way. You're not. You're you're close. You're within the the, the driving distance. Uh, we could have done this in person. Quite honestly, I was thinking about that after, and then it's like we we kind of got into this r- routine of doing these via Zoom. And believe it or not, before the pandemic, we used to do these all in person. But without further ado, I've got Ellie Haney, the founder of Hansy close joining us all the way from fairfield county connecticut welcome to the project purple podcast dino thank you so much for that wonderful introduction i'm so excited to be here um i can't wait to you know share my story with everybody and it sounds like i'm kind of a little bit out of out of the norm space so hopefully i can bring some excitement and some hope and um yeah joy to the listeners well you know I'm excited. I know you said you're a little bit outside of our, our, the norm as, as far as our typical guests. And, and full disclosure, I always say full disclosure, but we always are full disclosure here. You're not related to pancreatic cancer, but you've got a really cool story. And and I love, I consider myself an entre, entrepreneur, um, serial entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And so I've always had this entrepreneur spirit. So I always love bringing on entrepreneurs, especially people doing really, really good stuff um, in, in every space, you know, not only in nonprofits, but in for-profits, um, you know, putting out positivity. And you and I connected, I had a friend reach out to me a couple, probably about two months ago. Months I think ago, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was like right before Christmas. Um, he unfortunately had has a really close friend who's been touched by the disease. And so we were catching up and he's like, hey, I, I've got this lady coming in to to talk to, he's a coach, uh, talk to his basketball team, you know, and it, it's just this relevant topic. And, and he just brought it up. And I said, yeah, I won't say his name out of respect, but I was like, I got to meet this girl. This sounds awesome. Uh, I'd love to have her on the podcast because I think the, the the message that you're putting out, especially with young people, because I think that you know, I have two. I, we didn't talk about this, but on the uh, before we hit record, I know we were playing catch up real quick. But <laughs> I, I have two. It. I have two young boys. Uh, I say young; they're seventeen and eighteen, soon to be nineteen. And I and I could see this from a parenting standpoint. The the sooner that society and um, teachers and parents, maybe this is like a lesson, the sooner that you build strong habits and you build like this mental mindset, I think the better we are long-term. Cause it's, it's like that analogy, like you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you can, it just is a lot harder, right? And the sooner that we can get to the young people, um, get to this as being a foundational piece, um, that is so important, so impactful. So I'm excited to have you on. I don't want to steal any of your thunder because you're going to be sharing your story here in a second. And with that, I'm going to hand off the mic to you. Uh, but I just think this what you're doing is just so important, so impactful, and I'm excited to have you on the podcast. So with that, the mic is yours. Uh, <laughs> share with our audience your background, what you're doing, and all the great things. Wonderful. Thank you, Dino. I'm, um, it's so funny. Usually I don't really have full range. So if I'm, if I'm going a little crazy or talking too much, I'll jump in. (laughs) 
please jump, please jump in. So I do, I do love the talk. I'm very passionate about, um, about mental health, which you guys will, will see in a second. So please, if I, if I'm lingering too much, please just let me know. <laughs> um, and I'm also an open book. So please feel free to jump in and ask me any questions. If you want me to explain anything more, um, I'm just, I'm really excited to, um, to share. So I am, my name is Ellie Haney. As you introduced me before, I am, I was born and raised in Fairfield, Connecticut, and I'm still here to this day. I live with my twin brother and my amazing parents. So growing up, I had a wonderful childhood. I live in the most beautiful town and was very fortunate with going on vacations and having anything a child could ever want, pretty much. Really just always a supportive family. Um, for the most part, I also, you know, growing up, I always had wonderful friends. Um, pretty much just, you know, a picture perfect growing up area. And so, or growing up um, time period. And how I kind of explain um, my whole my whole journey is when I was in elementary school, all the way from elementary school to high school, I have memories of you know, just feeling pretty numb and not really passionate about anything and kind of just floating through the days, like no, no real excitement about anything, kind of just being alive. Like I kind of just looked at life as surviving and, um, didn't really feel really, really, I didn't really feel really bad or really good. I kind of just felt like I was existing and I, um, you know, this will make sense in a little bit, but I didn't understand or know what anxiety was. I didn't know what depression was. I didn't, um, know what mental health really was. And, um, you know, I also do have memories of feeling like I couldn't breathe a lot of my childhood. Like I felt like something, somebody was sitting on my chest and, you know, would have episodes of not being able to breathe and kind of panic, but just thinking that that was normal. And another thing um, I do have memories about childhood is learning about death and having a lot of questions and fear around death. But again, just thinking that that was normal. I didn't know that I was suffering from anxiety, which I'll explain. Um, but anyways, from elementary school to high school, felt pretty numb, felt, you know, there were some episodes of of a lot of worry and, and stuff there, but nothing, nothing too crazy. And I did have the picture perfect from the outside. Um, looking in, I had like the picture perfect childhood. So I then um, graduated high school and I went to college. So I went to the University of Delaware for four years and the whole college process, I did not um, really care about in a way, just being completely, completely authentic. I didn't really care where I ended up. I had no real passion, no real, I didn't really care. And my parents ultimately made, you know, pushed me to the decision of, of Delaware. Um, and I'm so grateful that they did that because I, I just, the way I can describe it, I just didn't really care. I didn't really care about my life. I didn't think I was going to ever do anything great. And, I just was like existing. And I also, my parents were, are, and have always been wonderful, but they were pretty strict in high school. So I had, you know, curfews and um, nothing crazy, but they were on the stricter side. Um, and so when I went to college, I obviously had all this freedom and all this free time. And it was kind of this new, this new life ultimately. And I felt really invincible. I was I was way too invincible when I got there. I was no curfew. I was meeting all these new people. I had all these new, you know, these new boys giving me attention. I had drugs and alcohol, everything at my fingertips. And so pretty much, um, you know, getting into it, the first semester of college, I was going out every night. I was, um, you know, sleeping with whoever I wanted, doing whatever I wanted full range of freedom and craziness and all this stuff. I wasn't going to classes. I was just, I felt out of control, but I loved it. And right before midterms, 
of, um, or no, excuse me, right before finals of freshman year, first semester, I actually got really, really sick. I had walk, I got walking pneumonia and I was incredibly sick. And this was right before finals week. So it actually happened to fall on, um, the weekend before finals week. So it was the last hurrah of everybody going out. And, um, you know, my friends were like, you got to come out to celebrate the last weekend before we cram for finals and everything. And I was sick. I was taking I had antibiotics in my system. I was on co I was given codeine, all this stuff that I was incredibly sick with, with walking pneumonia, but I, you know, freshman, I was like, Oh, I'm invincible. I can go out and have a great time and whatever and just ignore the sickness. So I went out, I got really, really drunk. We were at a frat party and, um, I got really, really drunk and I came back to my dorm with all my friends at probably like one o'clock in the morning. And we all smoked weed, like we always did. And so I was really, really sick, really drunk and really high. And I pretty much had this out of body experience. My therapist explains it as I was put into like a drug induced psychosis, which is pretty much the best way I can explain it is it felt like a panic attack that was nonstop for hours. And I wanted to rip my skin out. I was going crazy. I felt like I was going crazy. I was running up and down the halls, screaming like to my RA. I was like, call 911. Like I'm like dying, like whatever. I literally felt like I was dying. I was having this like episode and, um, long story short, everybody like calmed me down and they were like, Ellie, you're just really, really high and drunk and whatever, like calm down, calm down. Cause they knew that I wasn't in any immediate danger. Like I wasn't, um, you know, like I wasn't like throwing things or whatever. It was just all in all in my mind that I was, I felt like I was dying. So I had this pretty traumatic episode that lasted all night. And then I woke up to my surprise, I woke up the next morning and I couldn't get out of bed for a week straight. I was having debilitating, debilitating. I didn't know at the time, but was anxiety. I like debilitating panic attack after panic attack and um, was having these literally like heart palpitations and really, really scary stuff happened to me. And I didn't eat for a week and I was like, I felt like I was dead. I felt like I was dying and I was having all these intrusive thoughts like that, you know, I should die and I want to die and all these really, really scary things happening to me, like pure terror and panic was happening this week. And so my roommate obviously got extremely concerned about me and was like, Ellie, you, you, you're not going to class. You're going to fail out. Like you got to do something. So I ended up calling my mom and telling her, what happened to me, everything. She came down to Delaware, pretty much. I got all these notes from doctors to take my finals, um, online. My mom helped me through my finals. I got home. Thank goodness. Delaware has, is almost like a trimester. So we had two, two months off for winter break. So this is all happening right before winter break. So I go home to Fairfield. I am like such a mess. I, I can't even put it to words. I can't get out of bed. I can't do anything. I'm immobile. I, my mom immediately brings me to the doctor and I'm crying to the doctor saying, help me. Like I'm, I'm like having panic attacks. I don't know what's going on. I like had this episode where I freaked out and whatever the doctor, my pediatrician immediately connects me to a therapist. She's like, you got to go to a therapist. You're having uh, you experience a really bad, a really bad anxiety. Um, you know, you're having like a mental health episode pretty much from drugs and alcohol. Start going to therapy, realize what happened to me, realize I'm not, you know, I'm experiencing mental health issues and that was brought out by drugs ultimately and marijuana, but it's still a drug. And, um, so, I started going to therapy and realizing what was happening to me. And to make a really long story short, for four years in college, I suffered tremendously with extreme anxiety, depression, OCD, like everything you can imagine. And I, I went to therapy throughout college and I, um, I did want to help myself, but I also didn't really think that 
it was possible to feel better. So I kind of just numbed all of my pain and my worry with drinking. So I drank most nights of college and I numbed all my anxieties and my issues with drinking and with boys. I jumped from boyfriend to boyfriend and um, pretty much didn't know how to help myself and didn't think that I would ever get better. And um, every moment felt pretty much how I explain it is every moment in college felt painful to me. Like it was like, I was struggling every moment in college and um, it was a really, really, really dark time for me. And then I somehow graduated college. I really don't, I don't know how I, I made it through, but I did. And I, um, it, so I actually graduated in May of 2020, which was the beginning of the pandemic. So we didn't even have a graduation. We had a virtual graduation to, to say the least. And right before, um, right before our virtual graduation, we had one last hurrah as a senior class. And even though it was COVID, we kind of all, we all celebrated together and what quarantined or whatever. And I just remember that week, like it was senior week or whatever. And I remember in the back of my mind, having a lot of anxiety about, whoa, this is, this is going to be done. Like, I'm going to be out of college. I can't drink like this. Like, it's going to be like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I am so used to numbing my problems with drinking. I, I like, I'm freaking out because I, I can't do that anymore. I have to be an adult. And so I then graduated college and I moved back to Fairfield with my family. And I pretty much had this realization, like, I need to do something or I'm going to lose it. Like, I need to keep myself busy. It's not to mention COVID on top of all my mental health issues. I was isolated in my house. I was freaking out, losing it. My mental health was declining, declining, declining. My boyfriend broke up with me at the time. It was just, I was a mess times 500. And so I took to tie-dyeing clothing. So I was watching this YouTube video. I remember I was watching this YouTube video and it, of these two girls tie-dyeing sweatshirts in their closets. And I was like, maybe that'll make me feel better. Maybe that'll, you know, keep my mind occupied. I, I hate free time um, because my anxiety, you know, gets worse. And so started tie-dyeing every piece in my closet and became obsessed with the process of it. And what I would do is I would um, like wet my, wet my sweatshirt and then I would design it with, I don't know if you've ever tie-dyed before, but. Um, with the kids years ago, years, years ago, ago like okay. middle school project, I think. Yeah. Like you wet a t-shirt and then pour stuff, pour paint all over it. Exactly. Dino, you got it. You got it. So that's, that's what I would do is I would um, like rubber band my, my sweatshirt and then um, do the dye all over it. So I would like design the dye and I got really into the colors and the designs of everything. And I would let my garment sit overnight. So to get the best result. And so ultimately what started happening is I would, it got me out of bed in the morning because I was excited to see my, my creation the next morning. And so it, it, that little thing you know, of creating this, this wonderful, this tie-dye design got me out of bed. And so I started feeling, you know, I started seeing the light. I started, you know, having, having a little bit of hope that maybe there's more to life than feeling terrible all the time. And it was something as little as tie-dye brought that out in me. And so during all of this, I was actually in um, a corporate job in Stanford. So I'm like, have a lot of things going on at this time, but I was in, I was ultimately in, um, a corporate job in Stanford as I was tie-dyeing, as I was, you know, kind of finding this passion on the side. And then ultimately, um, without babbling on too long, I became so obsessed with clothes and fashion and designing. And I had started a website and I was selling on Instagram and I was getting money from my creations that I loved as well. I loved making, but I was also getting money from it too. So I got enough courage to quit my job and I embarked on this journey full-time with my clothing business. And 
this, I um, went full time in September of 2021. And I had no idea what I was doing. My parents were like, what the hell are you doing? I, they were like, we love you. We support you. But actually like, what are you doing? You have, you have, you have a tie dye business. Like what's going on here? (laughs) And so I was like, yeah, like I got to make this something I want, I want to change the world with this. I I was having this like out of, I was like, I I can be an entrepreneur. I have this baby. What am I going to do with it? And then I started processing and realizing that this had helped with my mental health. Like starting this journey had helped with my mental health. So what if I tie these, this, this, my clothing to mental health awareness? Like what if I, you know, can maybe help others heal with, with fashion and clothing and designs. And so I'm wearing, um, this is my first design that we ever came out with. So this is our here for you collection and how it came about was my best friend and I, Emma always say, you know, we're here, here for you, like here for you. Even if you don't know what you're going through here for you, if you don't want to talk, but, um, I'm here for you. And so we threw it on a sweatshirt and, um, it happened to be when I went full-time with my journey of entrepreneurship, it was September of 2021, which is suicide prevention awareness month. And I was like, what if I donate a portion of our sales from this line our here for you line to a nonprofit for suicide prevention? Maybe that will, you know, be a wonderful thing. And maybe people will resonate with the message. Ever since I started talking about that, um, that we were going to donate a portion of our sales, like on my Instagram story, the amount of messages, calls, texts that I received saying, thank you so much for bringing awareness to this. I lost my dad. I lost my brother. I lost whatever, like we need more of this in the world. And so, um, after that month of September, we, I raised like a lot of money for this nonprofit. And that's when I was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is what I'm meant to do. And ever since then, I've just been growing my clothing business full time. And I've been lucky enough to, you know, be on my own healing journey. Wow. This is my business is growing as well. I have been sober for almost nine months now and I am have, have these wonderful opportunities have fallen into my lap of, I've been invited to universities, high schools to share my story of authenticity and how I have conquered a lot of my mental health issues through designing and through creating, through sobriety, through all these wonderful, um, wonderful things that I never, never thought would be possible. I never thought it would be possible to feel good again. And I am just, I work with some athletes. I work with, um, you know, I have a passion now of sharing my story because I'm like, it actually does get better. It's possible to help yourself. And it's, it's possible to live a life that, um, I never thought was imaginable because I was in such dark places for, for most of my life. And through my journey of fashion, it's been wonderful to see people all over wearing my here for you sweatshirts and knowing that they are not alone and that we are not alone. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll still struggle for the rest of my life every day with mental health issues, but I choose to live now and I choose to, um, see the light. So that was a really long spiel, but I felt it was important <laughs> to say the whole thing. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, I, I, so I've been taking notes this whole time. I didn't say that before, but so first of all, um, to be as young as you are, I'm not going to ask you your age, um, but if you graduated in 20, I'm 24. 20, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to be 24 and to realize that you, you have a challenge in front of you and to accept that challenge and to do something about it in a positive way for yourself, not many 24 year olds do that. Right. Um, and I'm not picking on people, but I'm just, you know, pointing out the obvious here and then to want to help others like we we live in a very selfish society <laughs> but to be selfless uh to help others and to think about others um is really special um unfortunately you know i think that where we are today and we're not going to go down this rabbit hole uh whether it's politic uh, politics um society norms or what the norms are presented right 
Um, there's, there's not a lot of, there's a lot of selfishness, right? And, and I think social media has allowed this to happen, right? Where people post like, Hey, I got this fancy new car. I got this fancy new watch. I got this fancy new pair of sneakers. Like sneakers are like, like, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a sneakerhead. Not a little bit. I'm not even a sneakerhead. I just like sneakers, I guess. But like, I was like looking at something like a couple weeks ago about like some pair of sneakers. And I was watching these videos about these kids like rushing into like Foot Locker to get like this special sneaker because they know it's going to be worth like something, you know, but then people post this stuff to social media. Like they're wearing, like, again, I have kids and one of my sons is in high school and I go to these high school, he plays basketball. I go to these high school basketball games and these kids have all these fancy sneakers. And I'm like, it's crazy. Right. So, you know, we're, we're, we're society. I think we've been driven to be selfish. And, 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 and the sad thing is I think some of the societal norms is like, it's okay to be selfish and it's cool to be selfish. Well, let me tell you, it's not, uh, it's not. Um, and you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to be selfless. That's really cool, right? Being selfless and helping other people, um, and, and speaking out. And this is something that I've said, you know, mental health, racism, um, acceptance. These are hard conversations to have and a mental health conversation that we're having right now. This is a hard conversation. It's not easy for someone to share like their, their lowest of lows. Right. Uh, so I, I commend you Ellie for, for doing what you're doing. It's awesome to hear it. And, uh, I'm proud that we're able to have you here on the podcast this year with our community and the public, you know, what, what you've been able to take from a really bad negative and turn it to something really positive and help other people. So I've got a couple questions here. So, yeah. and I'm going to, I'm going to go back to this very beginning. Um, you said something that I, I think, you know, is pretty impactful. And, and when you, when you said it, I kind of wrote it down. Like you said, you were numb and just existing. Like, so it was almost like going through the, the, the motions of being in middle school right? And this expectation that people have that, like you said, like, yeah, I went to Delaware, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm not, I'm not trying to beat up on you here, but like, I think this is very common, right? Like, I think kids today, and this is part of that societal norm that we need to try to break down that it's, and I know I, I've, you know, it's not okay. It's it's okay to be not okay. I think is something that you've said um, and that you promote on your, your website, you know, oh, yeah. and, and so that's something that I think for, if there's kids listening, hopefully they are, that it's okay to not know what you're going to do next year if you're a junior or a senior um, in high school, because that is very normal. And I think we, I'm saying we, I'm, I'm saying myself as a parent here, have to get away from, hey, you have to do this. Like you have to go to college. I'm a firm believer that college is not for everyone. And I think kids these days are put into this insane amount of stress and duress thinking that the college machine, because every college is 50 to $60,000 now, it's not even 30 to 40, it's like up to, up to bit. You know, and, and it's a big business, right? And so, um, you know, you can get student loans, which oh, by are done by the government. Uh, so you owe the government a lot of money when you come out of school. Um, you know, so it's it's awful. So it's okay to not know what you're gonna do or what the plan is, um, or if you want to go figure out trades or be an entrepreneur. If you have a great idea that you think you know you could make a living with that is okay to do that, right? And I, and I think that's something that uh, I think doesn't get said enough by people in, in all spaces. Um, and I think there's just this push. And I think kids sometimes, whether it's a learning disability or you know some other factor, they just don't know. They don't know what they wanna do. So I, I think what you said is like so on point because uh, it, it's just so powerful. Um, other thing that came up, I mean, you, you, I mean, I'm 48. I'm going to be 49. I did a lot of partying when I went to college. And when you were saying this, like, I remember I never like smoked pot. I never like drank. And then I went to college and, and it was like, and, and I, I, my parents were immigrants. So I think I was probably raised a bit stricter, uh, went to church on Sundays and I was probably, I was like, 
parochial school. I grew up in Bridgeport, so it's a different oh, wow. time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you went white kids went to parochial school if they could afford it. Um, you know, and and I went to high school, uh, elementary school, and then you know, you go to college, and to your point, it's like a free for all, right? It's like the wild, wild west. Like I don't have any curfews. I could eat what I want. I could drink what I want. Um, I could do whatever I want and no one's watching. Right. And I, I often look back at like that experience for me, um, as a, as a point where I don't know how I would have handled that in today's world. Cause I know it's a lot different, right. Between access to certain things, drugs and alcohol that probably weren't as accessible back then. Um, and then also access to social media. I didn't have social media back then, you know, and and we didn't even have YouTube. So it wasn't like we could watch YouTube videos or, you know, figure out like how to do stupid things uh, that people sometimes post to, to social media, right? right? But so it's just kind of interesting, you know, you talk about how you go through that process, but do, do you think... And I, I do want to talk about this mental aspect, but like the things you experience, like that invincibility, uh, you know, you were saying like, hey, you were sick and like you went out and you smoked and you drank and you were doing, you know, medication. Do you think that's pretty common though for a lot of kids? Because they just don't know. Honestly, it's it's so, it's, yes. I, I think yes, I, I would say. And I think that, you know, another point that like you agreed with me on, Dino, is like so many kids are, you know, don't have, obviously most kids don't have the access to freedom every second in growing up, you know, that's just not reality. And so when, you know, if, if, you know, you're lucky enough to be able to have the means to go to college, when you get there you, there's literally no rules. And I found that nobody really prepared me for that. And I'm not, nobody's to blame for that, but I did not have somebody say, you know, you're going to have, you can do whatever the hell you want. You're going to have so much free time. You're not going to know what to do with it. Like, (laughs) you know, I never, I didn't realize that that was going to happen. And so, and maybe that was just me, you know, being numb and whatever, but to answer your question, I think, yeah, because you don't really know better and you think you feel invinci- literally invincible when, when you get to school. And I feel like a lot of kids struggle, struggle with this. I've spoken to a lot of young people who have, um, you know, either sent me messages or I've met with in person who say, wow, thank you for bringing, you know, this to attention because I, you know, I'm a freshman and I'm really struggling with this right now. Or, wow, I graduated a couple of years ago and never realized that I was going through that. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's definitely something that is, happens a lot. Do you think, and I have my thoughts, but let me, let me, how I phrase this question. Do you think because like going to college, like you're you're going to live. All right, we'll use you for example, Delaware. Yeah. Like you're going to live in a different city. It's like a whole new, whole new starting, right? Whole new beginnings, whole new city. It's like you know, waking up as a as a 16, 18 year old kid and just being plopped right in Delaware, right? And now you have this whole infrastructure that, but you could do whatever you want. The marketing of college is like, hey. Ellie, you're going to go to Delaware. You're going to get a great degree. Delaware is a great school. The current president from the United States, I think he went there. I know he's from yeah, Delaware. Yeah. So, you know, there's the, the I, I'm, that's probably a poor example, but I'm sure Delaware's alumni, you know, they have this prestige of alumni that have gone to be uber successful, right? Every major probably university throughout the United States can, can point to, you know, five to 10 people, yep. right? And they market that, right? Mm-hmm. Ellie, you're going to be the next, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? Yep. But yep. they don't talk about like, hey, you're on your own. Yeah. And there's going to be opportunities to do really good things, but there's going to be opportunities to do really bad things. And do you think if we, so if the question here is then, because that's what we know happens, right? You know that, I know that from our own experiences, but if, what if college is marketed that way? 
like, hey, you're going to go to Alabama. I know I had a fr- friend that go to Alabama, huh? the daughter, and they had to rush sororities the month before, and they didn't get into the sororities that they they selected, right? They got into like whatever, the middle of the pack. But what if then your whole expectation is blown out, right? Like, but what if the, the university said that, hey, Alabama, we, we win a lot of championships and I'm picking on Alabama, so whatever. <laughs> Alabama haters can come after me after. Yeah, come after <laughs> So you you know we win we win championships in all of our sports and you know we have this great party atmosphere. Yeah. But but your kid may not get into their sorority or the fraternity of choice and have such an awful first year experience that within 6 months they're going to want to transfer cuz nothing's guaranteed, right? But that's the reality for a lot of people. That is the reality for a lot of people. But it's not sold that way. And I'm picking on Alabama, but that could be any school across the country, right? Like that's, you, you pick one out and I'm sure you could, we could, you know, but, you know, so it's, it, it's just, I, I'm bringing this up because this is reality. It's, it's not, I, I think college to some degree is like fantasy land a little bit, yes. how it's sold and marketed. But uh-huh. now- yeah, but now to come through this though, so to go back to your story, you realize all this and, and uh, this question, I wanted to jump in when you were saying this, but I, I wanted to see where this goes. You said you, after that freshman year, you you had this episode and kudos to your pediatrician for not prescribing you medication because I'm sure you know they can, but they sent you to a therapist. You know, to this day- I am so grateful for that. And I will always be so grateful for that. And to my therapist who I've been with since that day, still see her on a weekly basis. And she never once pushed medication and she, she brought up the idea of it, but I was Mm -hmm. never ever pushed medication from my doctors or from my therapist. And that is, I really believe that that is a reason why I have healed, why I have healed the way I did is because of that. And I'm on medication now. I've been on it for a couple months and it's wonderful. But during those really, really dark times, I believe that I learned how to heal because cognitively. Um, so anyway, it's so weird that you brought that up because I think about that all the time, but um, yes. Well, you know, pediatricians, I think uh, I read a statistic, I think it's like 50% of like the um, medications that are used for, you know, mental health, I'll put it in that that box, I guess, you know, pediatricians prescribe. I mean, I know personally a lot of pediatricians that prescribe, you know, ADHD medication or, yeah. you know, depression medication, right? But pediatrician's really not the right person to prescribe that. Let's be honest. Like you really need to go see a, you know, a licensed therapist, psychologist that can prescribe those medications that understands how the medications work and understands you as a person. Um, so kudos to to that pediatrician for getting you to the right therapist. But now you said you had therapy during college, but you were still drinking quite a bit during that whole college experience. So hindsight's always twenty twenty. Was the therapy just not working at the time and you just kind of numbed it, numbed like this numb feeling and this anxiety with the alcohol? So yes and no. I, um, so it was kind of confusing because in college I had, um, so I actually went to therapy at university of Delaware, like through the counseling center, but I was also talking to my at-home therapist, you know, from she's out of Westport. So I was talking yeah. to her on the phone. However, to be completely like transparent and honest, I, my at-home therapist, I kind of decreased the visits with her because I was like, it's on the phone. It just like, I I wasn't really taking it that seriously. And just because it was, I'm a very in-person kind of, kind of person. And I, I struggled with the, with the phone call from my at-home therapist. So let's just say I was, I was talking to her every couple months 
it, throughout my four years. So I, I, and I would see her sometimes when I was home, but mostly I was, um, and not that she wasn't helping. It just wasn't, it was very hard for me to do it virtually, if that makes sense. And I wasn't getting the same effect. And so I started seeing some therapists at the counseling center at University of Delaware. And they, for the most part, I had a pretty good experience, but it wasn't, I don't really, honestly, I think what my mindset was, was, okay, like I'm kind of helping myself. So I like, I didn't think at the time I didn't know what I was doing with alcohol. Like, I didn't think that I was, I wasn't actively going out on a Friday night and being like, oh my God, I'm going to cure my, like, I'm going to be like, uh, you know, I'm going to numb myself. Like I'm going to numb all these like depressive anxiety thoughts. It was just, it was so subconscious that I didn't even really realize what I was doing. I, in, in my subconscious, I was like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not really feeling good today, but uh, tonight I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink a lot. So I'm going to feel fine. And it was so normal in my mind that I, and everybody drinks in college. It's, I'm sorry. Like that's, that's a fact. Like for the most part, I don't want to like, you know, stereotype, but in my situation, everybody was out drinking. So I didn't even think that that it was that bad. Like, I think in the back, back of my mind, I knew that I had a problem with it, but I just was like, Oh, I'm going to therapy. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Like I'm, I'm fine. Like I almost used therapy. Like I was, I was like, I'm going and I'm showing up. So that's good enough. And I'm, I don't know. It's weird to think about, but I, um, I just didn't think that I was, I really had an issue until looking back at it. If that makes sense. (laughs) It's kind of weird. Well, hindsight's always 2020. And mm-hmm. our subconscious drives our conscious. So if subconsciously we just think like, hey, like, okay, like it's what you do. And to your, you just said something like societal norms. Everyone does it. So there's nothing wrong with it, right? Yep. But if the societal norm is that it's okay to not be okay, but let's have a conversation about it. How powerful is that, right? So I, I'm going to ask here a, a hard question the the tipping point for all of this where do you think that that came into because you know we talk about tipping points cuz you said like kind of like hey like i realized like hey i couldn't do this anymore so there was something maybe in your subconscious or something there in that very back that now triggered that subconscious to say hey i don't need to do this anymore or you know i i need to raise my hand i need help and i need to get out of this so so when was like my final tipping point is what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. So I would say I had a couple tipping points throughout my um throughout my years, like a couple tipping points, but to answer when what like my final tipping point was, was about nine months ago when I um decided to be sober. So I was um you know, nine months ago, I was in the process of growing my business and I actually, so I was in the process of growing my business full time. And I actually was invited to a girl's trip. My best friends were throwing a girl's trip for one of my friend's birthdays in Savannah, Georgia. So, um, we, one of my friends has a house there, five of us girls went, and it was this girl's trip. We were there for like four nights. The most beautiful house you could imagine weather was 75 and sunny the most beautiful this was in may um may of 2021 months ago and the idealist like the most beautiful girls trip you could ever imagine we barely went out we went shopping we had the most relaxing this house was like right on this lake i mean couldn't picture perfect most beautiful beautiful vacation right And the whole time I felt bad, like the whole time I felt bad and I explaining this to my friends after I was like, it wasn't any of you guys. It was just, I swear like the vacation was nothing was wrong, but the whole time I was, I felt awful mentally, like so bad that I, and mixing in the alcohol, I was looking for, I was really looking for that next drink. I was like, all right, my glass of wine is empty. 
let's refill that. Like where, like I was just trying to numb myself because I was so, I felt so bad mentally. I was so depressed. I was so anxious. I was, had so many, so many terrible thoughts going through my head the whole time. And I was like, I'm at this most beautiful vacation. What the hell? This is what was going through my brain at the time. What the hell is wrong with me? I can't relax. I can't enjoy. I have to be drunk. Like this sucks. Like what's wrong with me? Like something's wrong with me, whatever. And I came home from that trip. And the whole time I acted like it was, I was having the best time um, ever. And I told my friends at one point, I'm very, very open with my friends, especially now, but I told my friends I was struggling a little mentally. um, But for the most part, I just pretended like I was, I was really happy. And um, which is another societal norm. If it was normal, like you said, to not feel okay. I wouldn't have felt that. But anyways, I could go on that train for hours. But um, we, so I got home from that trip and my parents asked me, how was the trip? Whatever, like, uh, it looked so beautiful. And for an hour straight, I was sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And all I, all I could get out was it was the most beautiful place ever, but I felt terrible. And um, that night I had a really long conversation with my parents about anxiety and, and depression and everything I was feeling. And I said, I really need help. Like I really need, and this was only nine months ago. And I, I said, I, really so your business, I mean, so business wise, you're successful. You, you leave your career. I I'm saying successful. Like it, it takes a lot to leave a career or a corporate job to realize like, Hey, I can do this on my own. So things are chugging away. And so it wasn't like you're in like the, the, the bottom of the bottoms or anything like that. Which is what I always tell when I'm, when I'm sharing my journey, because I think it's so realistic. Like you can look like you have it all and be so, you know, quote unquote successful and thriving with friends on these beautiful vacations, have this business. And I was screaming for help. I, I was like, I knew that was, I I needed to stop drinking. Really? That was my, my number one. I knew I needed to stop drinking. And I, I told my parents, I said, I need, I need help. I need, I need help and I need to make a change. And something that I will never forget what my dad said that night was you owe it to yourself to change. Like you owe it to yourself to give, to give sobriety a shot. And my dad said, you know, if you, I'm not, I'm not going to be here saying you can't drink, you can't have a glass of wine, but you owe it to yourself to give it a chance. And, um, it's, that was the, the point where I knew that I was, I was debilitated by my, my, what was happening in my life. And I was debilitated by the way I was acting and what I was feeling. And if I didn't make a change, I knew I wasn't going to get better. And I also, in the back of my mind, I was like, I have this business. I, I care about life now. Like I, I need to be there for myself in order to be there for what I'm doing and what I'm pro- preaching to the world. So, um, yeah, that was my tipping point. And I've been, um, I've been living a li- a different life ever since. It hasn't been easy, but. Nothing ever is. Nothing ever great is easy. I always think to myself, so. It's a powerful story, Ellie. All right. I want to ask you a couple questions about the business here. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, where do you find motivation for kind of an inspiration? I should say, uh, I know I probably have answered some of this, but, uh, where's the motivation and inspiration come from your lines? From, from my lines. So, um, really personal, personal experience. All of my, um, all of my lines that I have come out with have been from personal experience. So, um, you know, the here for you being a conversation with Emma, my best friend and I, who also works with me full time. Um, she, you know, something that always resonated with me when through those dark, dark times was I'm here, I'm here for you, you know, here for you, even if you don't want to talk, even if you can't talk, even if you don't want to share, just knowing that you are not alone and that you have support, um, changed, you know, got me through, I would say. So here for you will always be my number one. Um, Emma giving her full credit was the one who was like, we got to throw this on a sweatshirt. And she's been me, she's been with me since day one and having that support as a best friend. And now, um, a full-time like 
amazing woman in my business is, is incredible. So um, here for you, personal experience, our other um, line that really resonates with me, they all resonate with me, obviously, but love, love hard is our self-love line that we came out with last year, actually, and all about the idea that self-love can really change your life and carry you through. And um, as, as I kind of explained what, what you guys probably picked up and you too, Dino, is that I never had enough, I never felt enough security um, and love for myself to, you know, to show up for myself and to really care for myself and to change and relationships. I jumped my whole life, jumped from relationship to relationship to relationship. And they always ended because I didn't, I, I was unable to give love to anybody else because I wasn't happy with myself. And so the love hard line comes, you know, from that feeling of, I, now believe that I deserve self-love and that I am the only person that I need at the end of the day. And I'm still healing from that. Like, I don't, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, I have, you know, all the confidence and the self-love in the world, but I know that I'm worth it now. And to spread that message to the world is something that, you know, if you can believe that you are the only person that you need, that is freaking like powerful. So that, um, that line means a lot to me as well. And, um, yeah, I, I am so lucky that, um, people resonate with them because it's, it's, it's real. It's real. I love it. Um, where do you see you guys in five years? I say you guys, meaning the company, the organization. So in five years, I see us all over, um, all over the U S and globally as well. I, you know, my dream is to walk into any city and see somebody wearing a here for you hoodie um, or whatever line we drop. And I also, I have so many like ideas about where <laughs> we want to be, but I really see us um, making a large impact in, in school systems. And um, I say that because school is a place that I really personally, really, really struggled. And if I um, knew half the things I know now, a couple years ago in school, I would have had an incredibly different life, honestly. And so we did a um, collaboration with Fairfield University about, so we did, I don't know if you saw it, Dino, but we did yep. here for you. I wish I had one. Um, here, here for, for you, you stags. stags. Yes, exactly. And we, um, so we pretty much did a, was lucky enough to do a collaboration with the university. And the message was, greatly appreciated and we pretty much popped up there for a day and sold out of every sweatshirt that we had and so that was really really powerful for me to see as somebody who struggled tremendously in college and um to see these students you know they need it they need support and they're they're looking for help and it, it's just it's hard to it's hard to find when you're in a dark spot so to be there for the students is something I really see and I see like, I want to work with every college in, in the U.S. and to get, you know, here for you, Blue Hens, here for you, like freaking Clemson. I don't know their mascot, but like all those. <laughs> so I really see that. And I also see us, um, you know, my dream would be to start a nonprofit and to partner with more nonprofits and to have a physical space of, of course, a retail space, but also a, a safe space where people can walk in and you can, you know, we have all these resources that are not intimidating, that are open and vulnerable and not some scary thing where, you know, you have to sit in front of, and again, no shade to, to psychiatrists or, or therapists or anything, but, you know, a space where you don't have to say, oh, like, how long have you been feeling like, like, you know, what if, whatever, like a, a welcoming community. Um, you know, I picture that space being so many different things, but, um, yeah. And just coming out with, 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 um, start manufacturing all of our clothes in the U S like by ourselves. Um, I just have so many, so many dreams, but, um, yeah, I see us in a lot of places in five years. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Last question here, and then we're going to share where our audience can connect and learn more about uh, what you're doing and all the great things. But for someone who's probably been where you've been 
And I know this is a loaded question. What's the best advice you would give them? Like if someone's listening to this podcast and they're they just went on a bender last night, or they just feel this numbness. And and to your point, like they're just not like, you know, mm-hmm. they're just existing. What what are some of the things they should do or or what's that talk like? Absolutely. I would say um my my biggest thing that I always, you know, I was always like earning for people to say to me when I was in those dark places, I'm just like trying to like channel it back is it really does get better. Like it really does get better. And I think that I would, I would say that like, if you are listening right now and you are struggling, let me tell you that it really does get better. Even when you believe that you are in the darkest, I trust me, I have felt like I've been in the darkest holes of the darkest depths of, of freaking anything. And I didn't even see a little bit of light. And let me tell you that there is always light. There is always hope. And it really does get better. You just have to keep going. You literally just have to keep pushing and it does get better. The other piece of advice I would say is reach out for help is raise your hand and say the most powerful thing. Like I just, I just, what you just asked me, do you know, is what was, what was your turning point? It was when I said, I need help. I speaking those words are it's incredibly it, it's so much strength is is connected to that and the second you admit it to yourself I need help is the second you start healing it could be it could take years it's I'm I'm constantly healing but you will get better if you ask for help like you absolutely will and if you have that like a little bit of hope just just grasp onto that little bit of hope because I promise you it grows. Powerful stuff, Ellie. Best place for someone to learn more, to connect with you, uh, social media, website, where's that? Yeah, so definitely. Um, we do, I do a lot on social media with our Instagram. So our Instagram is just Hainsey Clothes, H-A-N-E-S-I-E, Clothes. So that's our Instagram handle. And our website is, um, you know, it's just hainsey.com. So it's just H-A-N-E-S-I-E.com. Everything is linked on our website, which is, which is really great. We actually just started a podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's very new, but it's incredible stuff. And that's all linked on our website as well. Um, along with my clothing that is available for purchase. And, um, yeah, my email and everything is, is on my website and, and our Instagram. So, um, that's the best way to find me. Awesome. Ellie, um, man, I, I, you know, listening to, uh, your story, uh, and I know not to sound corny or broken record, it's, uh, pretty impressive to be 24 and to realize like one that you needed help, uh, two that you had a problem and to figure it out, um, is pretty special. So, I know this is not easy. Um, it's never easy to share anyone's faults, right? Or anyone's failures or, you know, like they, you went down these dark holes. But to hear that and then to hear the positives and that you figured it out and you're still figuring it out, right? Like this is every day. Um, so to your point, like you didn't have that tipping point till nine months ago which was way past starting your own business and being successful and everything is really impressive. So thank you for sharing your journey with our audience and thank you for being open and honest. And I just love everything you're doing. I, I, I think, as I said, I think before we hit record, like this is a story that we need to start early on way before high school, because I think kids are suffering and and the earlier we get to people uh the more opportunities that people will have the better lives they will have to your point like hey if you had this you know before your college experience would have been that much different you know and so much different but you're making amazing progress and doing amazing things now so sometimes I always think like sometimes we have to go through that sacrifice of having those negative experiences to have such positives on the back end. So thank you for all you're doing. I appreciate it. 
And uh, I'm going to look forward to following you and seeing all the success with uh, with your organization and, and everything you're doing. So I love it. Thanks for being a guest on the Project Purple podcast. Thank you so much for having me and kudos to everything you guys are doing. It's It's so inspirational and wonderful as well. So honored to be here. Thanks again. Thank you. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear today, feel free to share this episode, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, follow us on our YouTube channel, and until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Mm-hmm.